0: And we're live. Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge live edition as we have been doing uh, throughout this offseason because by the time I edit and post it, typically it is irrelevant. So um, today uh, we are joined by a good friend of the show, good friend of of me personally. Uh, Again, I always say it and I always mean it. One of the best people in this industry, George Sedano of ESPN. Thanks very much for hopping on.
1: Hey, bud, good to be here again, and uh, it should be a fun one, because there's a lot to talk about today.
0: I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I mean, it's <laughs> not like... <laughs> um, I, I guess I have to start where, uh, because we are here on, on video here for Utah, YouTube, which, by the way, please, everybody subscribe, but um, I see some hardware over your right shoulder.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so at the radio station, ESPN LA, 710 ESPN in Los Angeles... Um, we figured everyone in Hollywood already does uh, award shows to give themselves awards, so mm-hmm. we figured why have we been a hundred years behind? You know this particular yeah. cause, and uh, we decided to do it ourselves. So those are my pieces of hardware from the last two years. Yes,
0: I like it. I like it. I yeah. um. I there, consider... well, there's an
1: actual Emmy back there too, which is funny. <laughs> the Emmy I don't is know why it's... so much smaller <laughs> that it's now on the second row next to my Justin Turner bobblehead and my Miami Dolphins helmet. So. <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah, I thought about doing an award show, but I I feel like I would sweep here and nobody would like that. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how people <laughs> would feel about me handing awards to myself for um for for editing and producing and all that. But yeah, we um fascinating off season thus far. The reason actually that, yeah. that I reached out to you in the first place to do this was because the Lakers signed away um the Miami Heat. Like suit like pseudo backup, but eventually became a really key. was the starting guard. point guard.
1: Yeah, he was their, in, in he the in the playoffs. Big, big part of what they did the last couple. Yeah, of
0: years. yeah. Uh, Gabe Vincent is now a Los Angeles Laker. Um, first thing you texted after I after that went through was perfect. LeBron point guard. Do you want to uh, you know illuminate on that one a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think most people think of like LeBron backcourt mates, right? Cuz LeBron's a forward, but they think of like D-Wade and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And obviously those guys are incredible and they clearly can handle the ball and have been point guards at times in their career, but they're not like what I would call the prototypical LeBron point guard, right? LeBron always needs someone else, not needs, right? But would prefer to have someone else uh who can do damage, right? Breaking down defenses and things like that. That's where those two guys come in handy. But if you look at LeBron's success, particularly in Miami and to some extent with Cleveland, too, you look at guys like Mario Chalmers, right? To me, that's mm-hmm. like the prototypical LeBron 3 and D point guard. A guy like that that just doesn't need the ball, can shoot the ball pretty well, defends at a high level, and has a little wiggle to his game, which means that he can get to the cup, two, He can get into the mid-range, find his spots, basically. Mm-hmm. And Gabe Vincent, to me, is very similar in that sense. Maybe a little smaller in stature than Mario Chalmers, but I actually think more wiggle to his game offensively than Chalmers. Maybe a little slightly less defensively because Chalmers was so much longer, particularly his, yeah. arm, his arms were long. He had good a good wingspan. Uh, but Gabe is a tough defender, and you can look up all the advanced metrics. They show that he's a good defender when guys are within a couple feet of him. Uh, so I think it's a good move for the Lakers because of that. And because again, LeBron has played with guys like this. And you know what? I don't want to sell this guy short either in Cleveland. Matthew Della right? Matthew yeah. De Vadova, excellent Caruso. defender, uh, mm-hmm. solid, solid shooter, right? Uh, you mentioned Alex Caruso was going to be the next name I mentioned, right? Like again, not a great shooter, but excellent defensively, kind of in a similar mold to Delhi in a lot of ways. I would say way better than Delhi defensively. But my point is guys that just don't need the ball, right? Yeah. But if you, if they've got the ball, they can do something with it and they all defend, right? So to me, that is the prototypical LeBron point guard, LeBron role player slash point guard. And Gabe Vincent fits that particular mold.
0: Yeah. The thing I'm, I'm, I'm most excited for with Vincent on top of all the stuff that you're talking about, because if you, if you look at the shooting numbers between him and Schroeder, in the regular season, it wasn't that different. Now, obviously, in the postseason, Gabe just caught absolute fire and was a flamethrower throughout. But um, not that dissimilar in terms of just raw shooting numbers between him and, and Schroeder. But that's where you're looking at the difference between, um, you know, just data, just stats, and practical ability, right? Like the 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 actual practice of being a good shooter, the, uh, the notion that defenses, you know, with Gabe are going to care a lot more if they look over and the ball's rotating over to him and he's wide open. Whereas like with Schroeder, because of that long, you know, kind of funky Rondo-ish shot that he, that you know, that he puts up there, um, teams could really take their time rotating out to him and, uh, you know, rotate short and, and like at the end of the day with him, teams wanted him to take that shot I don't know if teams want Vincent shooting wide open threes he's yeah. he's hit 37 percent of them you defenses don't want to look over and see him in the corner as as the person that the ball is winding up with
1: 100 percent, I would agree with that and if you look at it two seasons ago in the 21-22 season where Miami lost in the conference finals to the Celtics he, um, that season, he shot 37% from three on high volume, very similar volume to what he shot this year. This year was a weird year for Miami. They went yeah. from being number one in three-point shooting in the regular season in the 21-22 season to being 27th. And then I guess they ascended back to the mean, right, during yeah. the playoffs because they all mm-hmm. shot like they had the previous season and Gabe was, was in that particular category. But again, what you saw from Gabe, I thought, in the playoffs, which I thought was more to what I think, it, it, what i was speaking to earlier which is he's got wiggle to his game it's not just that he is going to shoot threes right he's not just a three and d player this is a guy that in college at santa barbara a gaucho so he's it's sort of a homecoming uh, of mm-hmm. sort not that santa barbara is that close but you know two and a half hours away from la it's
0: closer than miami <laughs> uh, no question
1: about it yes so the He was a scorer in college, and they turned him into a point guard. Like Eric Spolster and those guys identified, this guy has the skill set to be more of a point guard and play that role. And if we need it, we know we can rely on him to score, right? So Mm -hmm. in certain instances. And I'll give you an example. I want to say it was against the Knicks. And I'm trying to remember what game it was. But there was a game – where he was like one of six from the field. It's like the fourth quarter, and he got the ball uh, on the left wing, if I recall correctly. Somebody closed out on him. He took a dribble inside to the elbow and then shot it from there. It was a big shot late in the fourth quarter, and he was one of six. And a lot of guys, role guys in those scenarios, are terrified to take that shot. Right? Yeah. Uh, they don't want the glare uh, from the, the the coach or the star players or even the heat potentially from the fans, no pun intended, right? But this is a guy that's so used to and so comfortable in his own skin that, hey, my uh, my upbringing, right? My birth into basketball was me being the focal point and being a scorer. I could take a wide open look here if I dribble yeah. in a couple feet, and he hit it. And it was a big shot for them. So I think that's also part of it. He's got the moxie. He's not afraid of the moment. He never gets too high, never gets too low. He's just a really good, solid role player.
0: Yeah, I, uh, that was actually the next thing I was going to bring up is at no point in these playoffs or at any point really in his career have I looked at him and said, like, oh, the moment's too big for him. Nope. You know, never. And um, there are certain players in the NBA whose respect you want, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, like, Jimmy Butler's response to playing with Gabe Vincent is is to me like a green flag right it's the kind of thing that you 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 put an asterisk next to and you come back to and you're like if if jimmy likes that guy that's a guy that i think i'm gonna like too um and the opposite of that of that is true right where jimmy like was frustrated with carl anthony towns and was frustrated with ben simmons and like those those guys like that to me is a bit of a red flag he's like all right all right uh, Jimmy's a pretty good judge of character in this particular way because he doesn't have time for for nonsense, right? And 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 Vincent is very much not a nonsense type player, uh, so that was another aspect of this that that I really uh, looked forward to, and especially also because it's it's going to help with some of uh, like a lot of the tendencies that Gabe had in the in the playoffs playing next to Jimmy are also going to apply to playing next to LeBron because. You know, if it's a non-LeBron possession, um, given how productive LeBron possessions are, you want those possessions to not be a giant drop-off. Just like if it's a non-Jimmy possession with Miami, you want those non-Jimmy possessions to not be a giant drop-off. Otherwise, just give Jimmy the ball. And so his readiness and his ability to play with Jimmy, I think, really helps transfer over to what he's going to be expected to do here next to LeBron.
1: You nailed it, 100%. And here's what I would say. Um, personality-wise, clearly not skill-wise, Jimmy's a lot like Kobe in this sense. Oh, yeah. Like, you can either play with him and deal with it, or you can't, right? Yeah. And that's they have that in common, where it's that they are tough to play with, they are demanding, and they yeah. are not always going to be nice about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and yeah. I think that that... I think, guys either love that or hate that right they love the fact that hey at least i know what i'm getting with him all the time right um or they can hate it because like oh i just you know what the hell verbal
0: abuse (laughs) right
1: yeah i I be more respectful yada yada et cetera et cetera
0: Yeah, yeah um
1: so i'm with you on that so that to me is a green flag agreed um and he does you know again they're not exactly the same player but he's similar to lebron in this sense the way spolster uses him right mm-hmm. it's very similar to the way they used LeBron right they play him out of the post a lot of times uh, to set up for other guys right and guys have to always stay ready because Jimmy may you know turn around jumper he may uh, create some uh, movement towards the basket uh, he may you know swing it again and you have to be ready to receive it whether you're the first swing if the double comes or the second swing on the hockey assist after he's already passed it so to your point, there are some similarities in the way they play stylistically, the way that they were utilized by the same coach. And I think that also just high intelligence players, LeBron's probably the yeah. smartest player I've ever been around. Um, I would say yeah. Jimmy's probably Jimmy's definitely in the top 10. And I would say probably closer to the top five as far yeah. as IQ and, um, yeah, I, I just think that that's the type of stuff. When you've played with a player like that, even though LeBron obviously is an all-time great, arguably the greatest player of all time, uh, so there's there's levels to it. But similar stylistically, I think, certainly helps for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I just think it's the expectations and understanding the expectations and, and understanding how to live with those expectations. Again, like when you're playing, it, it's kind of funny. Um, one of the things that I really respected about kobe when he was playing was he would get like you would have the matt barnes incident where he tries to he puts the ball in his face and he's trying to get kobe to flinch kobe doesn't flinch and you're like right this mfr and then like the following off season after after kobe goes toe-to-toe with this guy this guy's up in his grill for six games i believe in that series um after that season ends kobe reaches out to matt barnes and is like hey you're a dog you competed Let's 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 work together. Let's play together here. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, that level of of competition, the the accepting of the relishing in the competition is something that, uh, you know, Jimmy, it, it, when you're talking about similarities from Kobe to Jimmy, that's something that like Jimmy just relishes in in the competition. Right. He gets the he he makes the three pointer and he does the timeout back to Al Horford and then tweets about the timeout thing yeah. that he got a technical for and that he got fined for. Um, he tweets it out an image of him doing it. He loves that stuff and what comes with that though is a maniacal competitive nature and that's where those crazy expectations for for teammates comes in and having somebody like. When when Gabe steps into the Lakers uniform, just like with Miami, right? Miami have some crazy ass fans. Lakers fans, obviously, are 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 something unto themselves. Um, the expectations from Jimmy, the expectation from fans, and 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 having been successful with those high expectations, that's something that you know really makes me think Gabe is really going to uh, flourish in this in this role.
1: Yeah. Now, I'll give you an example. Like somebody tweeted at me and said. Oh, because I was talking about this on the radio show on ESPN LA in the afternoon. because We were on the air while it was happening, right? Yeah. And um, they said to me, well, you know, should I be leery of this because of the Kendrick Nunn situation? Everyone thought that, you know, that would be, that would work out. And I just said, well, listen, you clearly didn't listen to me because two things. Number one, Kendrick Nunn was not a good defender. Uh, yeah. Number two, the Heat let him walk. I think that's different where Miami, Pat Riley flew out to LA yeah to he wanted Gabe him Vincent. he wanted him to stay he just couldn't keep him at that number because clearly we know now what they're trying to work on so uh he <laughs> yeah. needed him at a different number so and Gabe did what he had to do which ain't nobody gonna be mad at him for taking the money and going to a great situation with the Lakers but I I think that having played in a uh organization that while it doesn't have the 17 championships that the Lakers have uh, it has one of the guys who was the steward of some of those champions, yeah, uh, championships, and has you know created this scenario in Miami where, particularly, you know, over the last I don't know 17 years or whatever, but you know, he's gone go back further with him 27. Um, but he's created a standard of hey, if we don't win a championship, it sucks. It's it's still yeah. his whole mantra of there's winning and there's misery, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that Gabe, having literally grown up in that for the last four years, I think is is ready to deal with the expectations with the Lakers. Because again, you're talking about Pat Riley, right? Like those expectations are no different than if you're playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, despite uh, obviously the, the legacy that that franchise has over its totality. Right. But the yeah. expectations year in and year out are very similar. Absolutely.
0: Um, I, you mentioned, You mentioned Pat Riley. You mentioned what the the Miami Heat are getting ready to do. I do want to talk to you eventually about um, the Dame stuff and and what's going on there. That'll be like the back half of the show. But really quickly, uh, as it stands right now, the Lakers have Vincent, Russell, and Reeves all signed to significant contracts and all ready to play significant minutes. As it stands right now, I have D'Angelo Russell starting next to Austin Reeves, with Gabe Vincent being more of your traditional plug and play point guard. Um, how do you see that playing out? Is there, is there a way that you would, would you tweak that? Would you start Gabe? How, how would you make this work?
1: Um, So I saw a blurb. I'm trying to remember who wrote it that Vincent and Russell would compete for the starting job in training camp. Do mm-hmm. you remember who wrote that or no?
0: It's just kind of like widely out there. That's Polenka's thing. I believe mm-hmm.
1: it is what I would say. And look, if if I were the Lakers, I think that bringing D'Angelo off the bench as a sixth man, I think would be really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. And I say this because it allows him to have the shots that he wants. Right? Yeah. It allows him. I here's how I would handle it. I would start Gabe. And I would bring in D'Angelo as soon as LeBron goes to the bench. Okay. Yeah. And that way you've got the ability to run, pick and roll with AD, right? You've got uh, other guys on the floor that can space with Russell. So there's other guys that can attack. um, Yeah. Prince will be in that second group. And 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 also create space for him trying to get to the basket. I, Mm -hmm. I think that that a second unit that begins with him as the sixth man playing with, Probably a good chunk of the starters, I mm-hmm. think, is beneficial for him. Now, look, you know, um, I think there's still bonuses to him being in the starting lineup, too. I yeah. think that he brings more offensive prowess. I don't think there's any doubt about that than Gabe Vincent, He's also bigger and stronger. Uh, I don't know about stronger, but definitely bigger, right? Yeah. Um, than Vincent Gabe. has that low
0: center of gravity. Like, you watch him play, and he just doesn't move. Right. <laughs> if he doesn't want to, he's not moving.
1: But I, I think that come playoff time, I feel like the issue with him, uh, the deeper you get into the playoffs, is you know his game, his probing game that works in the regular season. I don't know how much that works in the postseason. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's why I think starting Gabe makes some sense because you want that continuity. You want I always try to lean defense uh, on on in the starting lineup. That's just me personally, and I think you can bring guys off the bench that can be microwaves and score, right? Like, I think that, to me, is always the way I would prefer to go. Um, So I I think that's why that makes sense to me. But, again, there are some benefits to having the starting lineup, but I just think you want that extra punch off the bench. And that way, when LeBron is out uh, sitting on on the bench, it doesn't mean they don't play together at times, but at least initially it gives D'Angelo a way to kind of – work himself into the game where he can be more featured.
0: Yeah. I, on top of all of that, I I think what you started with is the most important thing here. And it's that like those guys know if I'm going to start, it's going to be because I earned it. Right. It's not, it's not a situation where, you know, a couple of years back, Dennis Schroeder gets traded for, and he's told you're the starter, even though Alex Caruso had just started in a finals clinching game, like a month prior, you know, and and I think getting back to that culture of competition, that culture of, of you know, really earning the minutes that you get is something that the Lakers, you know, that was a big part of the second half of their season. And, um, you know, hopefully that's a, a big part of their culture here moving forward. The other part of it, too, if you are bringing Russell off of the bench, I I still think, like, I would be pretty surprised if D'Angelo Russell finishes the season on the Lakers. Um, he has that a very... Too. Move, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you may as well keep your starting unit intact for the entirety of the year so that if or when you move, Russell, you don't have to worry about, you know, now working Vincent into that starting group. So that's, that's a, a big part of it um, as well. And, and look, we're recording here on July 3rd. The Lakers can still technically... Um, they have agreed to the terms of the contract. They haven't actually signed a contract. And until they do... They can also agree with him and his people and whatever team wants to bring him in to trade him, you know, at the number that they agreed to uh, also. So this is still a very fluid um, situation, as is this time of year. And that's why we're live. That's why <laughs> That's why right. I'm getting a version of this out as soon as I can. I can possibly get it out before you and I record. And then at, while I'm editing, we find out actually D'Angelo Russell is an Indiana Pacer, um, yeah, right? So uh, let's 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 segue over to the Miami Heat and this situation with with uh, Damian Lillard. Unless there's anything that that you you oh you know what I, I forgot. This is what oh, I really. Oh, I do you have know. one
1: more thought on the Lakers, but go ahead, ask your yeah. question. Yeah. Well,
0: so you and I both know that LeBron sees the world in a certain way he wants to be surrounded like if if lebron had his choice i think he would always be on big three teams teams with three stars that um you know that you know they, they it worked in in miami he did it again in cleveland um didn't win that way the first time around with the lakers but did turn around right away and 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 uh push to for the lakers to, to trade for russell westbrook this time though he's going into a season with him, AD, and a bunch of role players, um, solid ones, but still role players, and I'm curious uh, how, how you think he's going to, uh, if, if that is something that he's kind of looking forward to, or if you think he'll still continue to kind of push and prod to see what the Lakers could potentially do to bring in somebody a little closer to his level.
1: Well, that's relative to the success that they have, right? I yeah. think all of that is always uh, the issue. And I think you have to operate potentially like this is LeBron, LeBron's last year with the Lakers. So mm-hmm. I think because of that, I think you always have to keep an eye on what's potentially available. But I, I do think that your hunch is correct, if I had to guess. Again, I've never asked the man that. And mm-hmm. he'd never l- let you pin him down on it anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I'm just going that, off
0: of what he's had success with, like it, right. it, what he's pushed for in the past. I don't think he's now had some epiphany and said, you know what? <laughs> Three and D wings, baby. Like I, I just, yeah. I doubt it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So If they had success, he's going to be all about it. If they are not having the kind of success that we think that they may be able to have, because I think they can be a top four or five seed in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they don't do that, if they sputter again, then I think then all bets are off in that regard to his perception of how the roster was built. But on paper, I like what they've done. I yeah. like the retaining of the guys that they, they had, right? I like the Austin deal. Now, it also says to me that maybe the market wasn't there for Austin like we thought because my guess is Austin would have signed an offer sheet if there was a higher offer sheet, right? Yeah. Um, so there wasn't one which it all broke for the Lakers and good for the Lakers and Palenka in that scenario. Um, So I like that the Rui deal a little higher than I probably would have, would have liked, but you know, I'm not, I'm never going to kill a GM over a couple of million dollars. Like I'm not right. Um, At at least not on the surface. Now, if there's some move that could have been made that none of us can see, well, that's part of his job to see, right? Not ours, but I don't see that at the moment. Okay. So I'm okay with the Rui deal. Uh, Reddish is a, you know, low-risk, potential, Mm high-upside situation. You already gambled on some stuff like that last year with Troy Brown and Lonnie Walker, right? Now, Mm -hmm. granted, that was the mid-level at that time, so it wasn't the minimum, but you you get my point, right? And, you know, Lonnie paid dividends. He won you a game in the playoffs, scoring 15 (laughs) points, right? If Cam Reddish does that, you're going to be happy, right? Because I don't expect Cam Reddish... To have a ton of impact come May and June potentially, but yeah. so I like that as a low risk signing. Obviously, we've already covered the Vincent signing and uh, the D'Lo number at you know at that price. I don't think you can you can quibble about that. Like I think yeah. he did a good job there. I think I would give Rob Palinka an A. The only thing that would stop me from giving him an A plus was they didn't really fix what I think is still their biggest need, which is another big man that can help them in a meaningful way. Now, that doesn't mean that that's not attainable by the deadline, right? I I don't necessarily see anyone out there at the moment uh, based on their own parameters that makes sense. Maybe I'm wrong, but Mm -hmm. not off the top of my head at least. But I do think that that's a possibility and something they will be eyeing as the season goes on. But I would give them an A. And, And again, the only minor thing i would be nitpicking about would be that that they just don't have a big man which you're going to need if you're going to end up playing denver at some point
0: yeah uh mr 81 here says that he wants christian wood um i've been asking if the lakers if that is something that the lakers would pursue you know all the stuff we talked about competition and all that stuff that we said about uh gay vincent not very, imp- not very many people lining up to say that about Christian Wood. Is, so is I, I, I think just I'll think put that. He's,
1: he's a really good, he's a really talented offensive player. Um, He doesn't defend. And yeah, I, I, I just don't think the Lakers need, they already got D'Angelo Russell, right? Granted, completely different positions, but you have a guy who's not an average defender, right? And you're going to bring in another guy who's not an average defender And only who would probably
0: play a lot next to the guy who isn't an average defender
1: right right and here's the thing you know lebron's gonna be 39 years old in december okay (laughs) so if you think he's been picking and choosing his spots to play defense in the years you've had him now i mean he's been doing that since 2014 really but yeah and and i don't blame him for the burden that he has that's not what i'm doing there but if you think that's the case in previous seasons, I would imagine that would be the case here at this stage of his career. No one would blame him for it. And yeah. you're, you're factoring in, you got to factor in that the biggest predictor of future injury is past injury. So he's dealt with some injury stuff in recent years. Anthony Davis clearly has dealt with injury stuff. So let's just say the worst case scenario, like last year, there were times neither guy was on the floor. You're just going to do Christian Wood back there
0: and Jackson Hayes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's not going to work. Oh, and Jackson Hayes, is a nice signing too, for what they got him for too. I like him as just like a vertical threat. LeBron always Mm -hmm. needs those guys. I actually think that will help Russell too, a little bit too, at times too. So, um, but yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's not enough. They need a more meaningful big man to play minutes that would matter. And I I don't, yeah. I don't think Jackson Hayes qualifies as that. Right. So I, uh, and Christian Wood in theory, because based on his minutes load in other places, I guess would qualify. I just don't think he's the right fit schematically for what they already have on the roster.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I think this is where the Lakers can actually be a little creative in this spot. Cause like right now they're, they're still connected to potentially bringing back Mo Bamba who. They their coaching staff didn't exactly love the Mobamba experience from from what I've heard. I mean, and then,
1: why why would they? And by the way, <laughs> yeah, Mo Bamba even before like he got a really hurt. nice kid, but yeah. what has he proven? Um, other than extremely glimpses, you know,
0: extremely low motor guy, and uh, those those are the kinds of players that uh, the Lakers don't historically like very much. Especially like like if you think of Rob Polinka think of him kind of an extension of of Kobe, right? That's why he has the job he has. Um, I don't think Kobe would like playing with Mo Bamba very much. (laughs) I don't, I don't think Kobe would have very much patience for Mo Bamba. Um, They are also thinking potentially about bringing back uh, Tristan Thompson. Um, He had that one stretch in the playoff game where he looked like pretty good. And he's a kind of physical, like for lack of a better term, goon that I, I would like the Lakers to employ somebody who if like, last year, LeBron or AD would get, like, fouled a little harder than they should have been. And there wasn't anybody on the roster who would step in and say, like, uh-uh. Like, that stops right there, you know? Yeah. Like, they had Markeith Morris before. They've had Dwight Howard in the past. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and Tristan-
1: if you look at it, LeBron's had those guys in his career, right? Tristan Thompson, who yeah. was with the Lakers, um, uh, was that guy. Uh, Udonis Haslam, uh, Birdman, yeah. Chris Anderson, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. had a number of those guys in his career, yeah.
0: Um, so that's one direction that they could take here. Another one that's kind of out of left field is actually to uh, go into the season with Hayes and convert Castleton into an NBA contract, and actually bring back Malik Beasley at like five or six million, and then uh, at, at an expiring five or six million, and then you know mid-season turn Beasley into a better than minimum salary big that uh gives them a little bit more umph than like bomba or thompson i just saw robin lopez while you and i've been talking just signed in uh, milwaukee or, or agreed to sign in milwaukee um so they're back could,
1: the brothers are back together the brothers milwaukee.
0: are back yeah, yeah it's just like stanford all over again but um and yeah, they I, I think, once together where was that was that in new jersey in milwaukee in Milwaukee,
1: pretty sure. Oh, they, I think you're right. I think I mean, there aren't very the many game. other
0: places, right? He didn't yeah. play. He was Robin Lopez has never been a Laker. I
1: want to say he played for them uh, before. Yeah, 2019, 20, the year of the bubble.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think yeah that that's that's one direction. Like I was saying, that that the Lakers could go in is like sign Beasley to be a trade chip, and then turn Beasley into the big that you're more comfortable with um at that like five or six million dollar range and that's you know that's going to be a better player than you would get for two and a half or three million as the yes. lakers would be spending right now so yes that's another direction that the, the lakers could take there but I, I agree with you like i know some people on twitter think that i'm like low on this offseason it's just i think it was fine i think it was it was a it was a good to find offseason and all of the ways that the lakers were going to improve anyway was going to be through austin Reeves really improving Rui Hachimura taking another step forward, right? Um, that type of internal improvement is more what the Lakers are, are going to benefit from this year if they take a step forward organizationally than it would have been than they ever would have like gotten better personnel wise this year, right? Because they, they weren't in on Beal, they were never in on Damian Lillard, they didn't have the assets to go out and get him. So, like from a personnel standpoint, there wasn't much that they could do that would really improve them this year. I think there were things they could have done differently that make them more flexible. But like in terms of the roster to go into the season with, this is about as yeah uh, as good. much as you could hope for. This, I would this say. is a
1: top four or five team in the West. That yeah. that's that's a good starting place, right? Yeah. And better than now, the last
0: couple of years, that's for damn sure.
1: <laughs> and you don't and you no longer have a rookie head coach. You have a coach yeah. who's been to the Western Conference Finals. So and a staff that's been to the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah, I, I think they're fine as long as they get relative health. You know, these guys play sixty games plus, right? Yeah. I think that you're going to be in good shape. So now, granted, obviously it depends when those sixty games are played, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if you lose them at the end of the season, that's never good. It's over. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that I think they're in a good place right now to compete. Like if I look at the West, if anything. I think the reason the Clippers are trying this Harden thing is because they're looking at the West as people leapfrogging them. So mm-hmm. I, I think, including the Lakers, by the way. So yeah. I think they need to kind of jostle some things and, uh, you know, Harden for their depth. Okay, I guess we'll yeah. see. Uh, hoping,
0: Harden, hoping Harden helps you in the playoffs, you know. That's that's certainly one one uh, avenue to take. I mean,
1: if he's their third best player, then does it really you know how much does that affect them, you know, and they he can't help them. I'm not going to dismiss that because forget about the scoring like he's a legit great point guard. And he's been that ever since he played with Mike D'Antoni in Houston. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And I thought last year he he did a really good job doing that. Although, depending on who you listen to out of Philadelphia, they'll say that he wanted way too much credit for that, right? Like, I don't care about that. The man can do the job is my point. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you you look at the West, Denver, right? Phoenix, the Lakers, Warriors are probably still in the mix somewhere there, right? And the Clippers, like, that's probably your top five, six with the Grizzlies. Maybe the Kings, I don't know, like, probably take a step back. Somebody there in that top seven is going to take a step back. I don't think it's Denver. Um, I don't think it's Memphis either, to be honest with you, because they've played really well without Ja. And, you know, Phoenix, I'd like to see what else they do with the rest of the roster. I like the Gordon signing. Um, The Clippers and Warriors could be prime candidates to be the team that gets into that play-in area. So Mm -hmm. um, I I think that that's why it's going to be really competitive, those top seven spots, particularly.
0: Uh, some breaking and hugely important news. The Lakers are hiring Damari Carroll to be an assistant coach on their staff. This
1: year. I love Damari Carroll. Uh, I, am, I feel Carroll, so old right now. Damari Carroll <laughs> is one of those guys that if you would have asked me 10 years ago, whatever it was, uh, give me a list of guys that would be coaches. He would mm-hmm. have been on that, on that list. Yeah. For sure. So I, I'm. Uh, I think that's a good move for sure. Yes.
0: Yeah. It just makes me feel ancient. Like, oh, I, I yeah, like I feel like I does, just you know sure. like my, my, I mean, my listen, bones man, are breaking right now.
1: I, I mean, for the love of God, you know what I mean. Like Bronny James about to be in the league uh, in a year or two. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. How do you think I feel? You know?
0: Yeah, that's true. All right, um, let's we we have about five ten minutes here to wrap things up, and I do want to talk to you about Damian Lillard being yeah uh, inevitably we 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 know where this is going. Um, he is probably going to be a member of the Miami Heat. What the trade package looks like, and if. Portland is able to bring in a third team to to uh take Tyler Hero and his contract into uh is is going to be kind of the 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 biggest question uh that needs to be answered here. But um yeah, I, I I'm really interested to see how this all goes down. Because if you were to just put if you were to put together a team, or if you were to say like the the two best players on a Damian Lillard team that would maximize Damian Lillard would be a tough defensive minded uh, yet efficient wing and a big who can guard on the perimeter and go back and, and defend at the rim. And there's Jimmy Butler and there's Bam Adebayo. And, and I think that fit with Dame in Miami, again, depending on what all goes out, I think Lowry and Hero contractually get it done. And then it's just kind of a matter of, of the draft compensation from there. Um, That I think makes Miami like the best team in the East. I think
1: I would agree. I know that there are some pundits out there that still don't think they're better than Boston and Milwaukee. I would say, okay. I mean, if you want to think that, you're more than entitled to. But
0: you mean you mean? Hold on. (laughs) The teams that the that the Heat beat without Damian Lillard are somehow better. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't even make
1: sense to me. But there are people that think that (laughs) they're entitled to their opinion. I'm not trying to be mean. You know what I'm saying? But. Uh, look, Milwaukee, if they're healthy, that's they're, they're still one of the best teams in the sport. Like, I, I mean, I get it. And Boston is great. Um, but you're putting a lot of emphasis on counting on Kristaps Porzingis, uh, I think. I, I didn't love that move for them. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly because you now have a third guy that needs the ball in his hands, right? Mm-hmm. Where you already have an issue with two guys who need the ball in their hands. You're going to add a third guy to that mix? I don't yeah. love that. Uh, and he's not anywhere near the defender he once was when he was young with the Knicks. Uh, even though there he was, I would say, above average, I think now he's at best average at times. Also,
0: and- like, are you playing Horford and Chris Stapps together? Because if so, then, like the thing that made Boston special last year was those super switchy lineups that like Marcus smart. Right. Yeah. And, and like you can't switch stuff when you have Horford and Chris out there.
1: Correct. So I I don't think Boston's gotten better. Actually. I'm, I'm of that firm opinion that I don't think they've gotten better. Uh, I actually think they've regressed a little bit and Mm -hmm. a tiny bit, but those two guys, maybe their ascension is there's still more of it. So maybe that makes up for some of it, but uh, that would be something I'd have to see first. And then I would
0: need to see Jalen Brown dribble with his left hand once. And then maybe then we can talk about Ascension
1: then. But again, (laughs) Milwaukee is great. But, you know, Chris Middleton, again, I just talked about it a second ago. The biggest predictor of future injury is past injury. Mm -hmm. And I think that that to me is something that. I don't know if you can count what you can count on with him moving forward. Like it's that worries me just a little bit is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Not a ton, but a little bit. And then, you know, to your point, Miami beat them. Yes, Giannis was out for part of that series. But what people forget is Miami was 10 points better than Milwaukee when Giannis was off the floor. And when Giannis was on the floor in that series, they were 16 points better than yeah. the Bucs. So, and Jimmy Butler seemed to have his way with Drew Holiday, which you don't really see very often. So mm-hmm. I, I just think you're right. They are the best team in the East, in my opinion, in that scenario. Honestly, the only other team off the top of my head where I thought Dame would fit incredibly if they didn't have to give up anything of real value, like any of their core guys was Memphis. Like if you put Mm. him on Memphis with jaw and Jaron Jackson, I mean, it's pretty damn impressive too. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there were only a couple places where I thought he fit perfectly. Miami is the most perfect of those scenarios And I think it does get done. I think that there will be a third team that takes Tyler Hero. But it is a cautionary tale for teams now, particularly with this new CBA. I have always been a guy um, in regards to Tyler Hero that I'm like, he's a good sixth man. He's Well, he's actually a very good sixth man, even a great sixth man. But Mm -hmm. I don't think he's like a franchise pillar. Mm -hmm. Um, I took a lot of grief for that on social media because he put up big numbers. But he doesn't defend all that well. He's a really impressive offensive player, though. He yep. has improved in a ton, a ton of ways beyond just his shot. Like, his shot is clearly something he's elite at, but he can score off the dribble. He's an incredible passer now. Uh, he's a very good rebounder for his position, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I just don't think he's a franchise pillar. I think he's a key component to a team that can win a championship, but he needs to be, like, at best your third best player, depending on who the two top guys are. But more than likely your fourth best player on he's a, team. a
0: luxury is kind of yeah. how I would put him. You know, yeah. he's he's, but, he's like the, the boat that you park in your garage, yeah. You know?
1: But at 27 or 27, 29, 30 million dollars, or whatever he's gonna make over the next couple of years, because how punitive the CBA is, and the second apron acting like a hard cap, Heart basically, cap. Mm-hmm. that yeah, you're you're not gonna be able to pay your luxury player nearly 30 million dollars anymore. That's just not. Doable, it doesn't make sense. So you see yeah. it him with Jordan Poole, honestly, and for Simons with the Blazers, too. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of those contracts, people are gonna look at them a little differently.
0: Yeah, I think those if you're getting upwards of 30 and certainly more than 30 million bucks, you have to defend too. And I think uh, you know, Jordan Poole when he's on is one of the most terrifying players in the sport, right? Because especially when he was playing next to clay and Steph and you know, those guys were just raining threes on teams. That was just absolutely terrifying mathematically to, to contend with. But then if he isn't doing that and he still isn't defending, that's not a $30 million player. And so, yeah, I'm I'm with you that like the kinds of players, like I I think you're more likely to effectively spend 30 million bucks on a three and D wing. Than a score first guard who doesn't defend as well. You know, I well, think both I know, sides of the ball are really important there.
1: I'm guessing there's somebody that's going to be listening to this and saying, well, there's a lot of guys in the league who don't defend great or make more than that. Like, look at Dame Lillard, look at Steph Curry. And I would say that um while those guys aren't great defenders, I would actually argue that Steph has become a, a, a oh, yeah. solid defender. Yeah, man. people
0: are still doing the defense thing with Steph, they aren't yeah. watching.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they he's become pretty damn good on that end, I think, in a lot of ways. They're their best units. Um, are with him on the floor. And it's, it's not, it's not, it's not just the offense is what I would say. And also, if you've got a guy like him and Dame who can stretch the floor to 34, 30 to 35 feet on a given possession um, and stretch the defense in those ways, that, that also uh, requires you to pay uh, a much higher fee for something like that.
0: Yeah, um, I, I like I said, I think eventually Damien lands in Miami. And I think eventually, you know, w- what that does with the rest of their roster and who they wind up including is going to be really interesting to see. But that is a, a damn good team that I think takes a real step forward or towards uh, competing better than they did in the finals with Denver.
1: Yeah, if you put him on that finals team, like think about that for a second. You know what I mean? Because you don't have Tyler Hero anyway. Like you put him on that finals team, right. that's a completely different series all of a sudden now. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, you're I'm essentially turning
0: that. Kyle Lowry into Damian Lillard. I if you're taking Gabe Vincent yeah. off, you know, yeah. they they won't have him again. And right. that'll hurt a little bit, but Again, the replacement at that position is Damian Effing Willard.
1: <laughs> right. And, and so. right. And you you signed a guy in Josh Richardson to the minimum that has already played for you. Yeah, that's a crazy. You, you drafted him. Um, you know, he's long at 6'6, can shoot the ball well, defends at a high level, right? Like yeah. I think can handle a little bit in a pinch. So you you know, they've done okay there. But ultimately, what I would say is the the stuff with Dame that's intriguing, and I actually had this. Fun back and forth with Ryan Rosillo, who's my guy. I love Ryan Rosillo. We mm-hmm. worked together at ESPN. I think he's one of the most reasonable pundits there are uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to the NBA, especially
0: like, from Boston.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but he, uh, <laughs> I think he's, I think he's as reasonable as reasonable comes. And we were just kind of going back and forth. Like you could go back on our Twitter to see it about like should Portland care that they're not doing right by Dame? And my argument would be, okay, well, you know, if you f around. You may find out, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. the the argument I keep getting back is, well, Portland isn't a free agent destination anyway, like Miami or LA. And I'm like, yeah, but even places like Miami struggled uh, to land free agents for a while. And I didn't even get into the LA stuff. Remember, they couldn't even get meetings with Durant and Carmelo and these guys back in those days. Mm -hmm. And Miami, when they played hardball with Dwayne Wade in free agency in 2016, this is post-LeBron now, that hurt Miami for a few years. And it wasn't until Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade mended fences that Jimmy Butler then had interest back in Miami because Dwayne Wade told him, this would be the great fit for you. So I I do think that stuff matters. And that doesn't even take into account that you've got these young guys that are on this roster now in Portland that are like, Hmm, this thing is more of a business than maybe I even thought, right? Like if they're going to treat Dame that way, how should I approach this over the next several years with this team when I'm up for a contract extension, et cetera, et cetera. So, and that's maybe to a lesser extent, but here's the other part. There's a report out there that Dame and Aaron Goodwin, his agent would nuke this by telling other teams that would want to trade for him. Like, Hey, I'm not going to play for you. Well, that's like, that's the other part of it.
0: Like, all right. Yes. In a vacuum. Like if we were playing 2K, some team out there would get a would put, throw together a better offer for uh, Dame than Miami could, right? Uh, because like Miami is a little strapped for assets, right? They 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 are not the best you know, most capable team of they throwing it together. They need
1: a third team to get something like this done. Yeah.
0: 100%. Um, but you know why would another team throw together and this is what we saw with anthony davis right this is why like in that in those negotiations jason tatum was never on the table um back then when when people still had hope for kevin knox count kevin knox um he wasn't on the table from new york right because those teams were like well why would i trade for an already pissed anthony davis he's gonna walk through the door and he's gonna be angry at the fact that he's here Um, So teams around the league aren't going to be putting together their best uh, packages for for dames. So even beyond the free agency stuff, it's it to me, it's just a matter of like, and this is why these deals wind up coming to play, you know, coming to fruition in the way that they do teams around the league are also cognizant of their impact on their reputation with stars like stars run this stuff. And what you don't want to do is piss one off in any way, because that's a really small world. And they're going to talk about the experience that they had with that organization, and that does wind up setting you back a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, um, it's going to be you know. And look, the other the you mentioned the Lakers in, in LA, LeBron specifically mentioned Kobe's uh, two year forty eight million dollar contract yep. as as part of the reason why he wanted to be with the Lakers because he was like, yeah, they're crazy loyal. They in that case they were loyal to a fault, right. and um, you know that that type of reputation what you don't want to do if you're Portland, if you feel like you don't have a great reputation right now, you aren't landing free agents. You don't want to just slam the door on the possibility of that. (laughs) Like
1: that's, Uh that doesn't seem very smart either. And and I, I also in that back and forth with Ryan, I mentioned that too. I said, Hey, like the stuff you just mentioned even prior to that, which is, you know, if he says he doesn't want to go anywhere and he tries to nuke this thing, like why would any team put anything of real value on the table then in that scenario? So you actually may be in a worse position if you're Portland because of this. So just get the best deal possible. And if the best deal possible is Miami through a third team of Brooklyn, you end up with like three or four picks, four or five picks maybe, and some and a swap or two in there, then you take it. Because here's the other thing. Like the, the Nets picks that are Phoenix's picks, the 25 pick, how is that going to be yeah. any good? Like that's yeah. not a good pick. And here's the thing. Do we even know if any of these picks are going to be good or not? Like I don't, I would love to see an analysis of future picks and how they all worked out because I'm sure yeah. there's a few that did, but I bet you there's more that didn't. You know what I mean? It yeah. didn't turn out to be top five picks. Remember like the Lakers last
0: started. year? For a while, they thought that the 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 right. uh, Pelicans pick swap pick with swap. the Lakers was going to be like Wembenyama, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. and then it turns out that they didn't even swap because the Lakers had a better season than New Orleans. Correct.
1: So yeah. it's like you that stuff of predicting future picks. That's a fool's errand. Okay. In my opinion, yeah. but I will tell you this Phoenix is 2025 pick barring something catastrophic injury wise is not going to be a good pick. Yeah. There's a, there's a kind of a decent chance that the 27 pick may or may not be either. Right. Because at yeah. least Beal is still young and Booker is still young. So mm-hmm. they're at least going to be in the mix. Even if Durant is too old by then. Right. And he mm-hmm. may be gone, but at least you have two players that are good players. So they're yeah. not going to be some destitute franchise in twenty twenty seven either, and those are the type of picks that the Nets have too. So, you what you do if you're Portland, you want picks that are as far out as possible, okay? Uh, yeah. Maybe one or two that you can swap in the interim, but that's it. Like that's what you want. That's what I would do if I were in that position.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you gamble on the league looking differently by the time those things actually convey. It's why the Lakers' two thousand twenty nine pick is so viable right now. Correct. Everybody looks at that as like, that's post-LeBron, that's post-AD. Yes. We'll see what that even looks like. So, yeah, completely agree. George, it is always a bunch of fun. You can check him out uh, coming up for Summer League in Vegas. He's going to be working the sidelines there. You can listen to him and uh, Scott Kaplan on ESPN Radio every day from 4 to 7 with the uh, Sedano and Cap show, which is where all of that hardware over your right shoulder uh, came from in the first place. Um, and, and yeah, it is always a blast talking to you, George. Hopefully we, uh, we, we cross paths there in Vegas here in a little bit.
1: All right, pal. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you soon.